When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get ready for your first round of golf of the year at the 32nd Annual 2023 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Returning to the Minneapolis Convention Center Friday, February 24th through Sunday, February 26th. This year's show includes free lessons from the PGA professionals, thousands of name brand golf apparel items, discounted especially for the show, and your chance to sink a putt for $100,000. Plus so much more. Tickets and more information at minnesotagolfshow.com. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome in to Judd's Hockey Show. It's the Wednesday edition, so it's Judd, a.k.a. Sam Steele. It's Declan, a.k.a. Freddie Goudreau. And then our friend Jesse Pierce, Kirill Kaprizov, joins us. So we apologize. You you have been put on a line with a couple of grinders and uh, try and score some goals for us. Okay, Jesse? I mean, I would have taken Matt Boldy as well. That would have sufficed for me if you're going, you know, not quite top tier, but Kirill Kaprizov, I think, I mean, unlike the actual number 97, I will be less quiet as of late. I will continue to bring some noise. Hopefully he can get that figured out. Well, who am I without chirping him once or twice? I was a Boldy guy until I saw that picture from Cabo, and now I'm not sure I'm a Boldy guy. I don't know what's going on on that trip. Get back here. Get on the ice. The season's still going, okay? I, I have Plen- a lot of questions elsewhere, that yeah. I don't actually want answered. I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, I have a lot of questions, and I don't actually want to know the answers to these questions. Can um, I just say that Brandon Duhame looks like he really just fits with that whole vibe that he's giving yes, off yes. in said photo? Like, he's the only one. And then Boldy looks exactly how I would expect Matt Boldy to look, like his little <laughs> bull cut type of situation going on, and Connor Dewar as well. Just, I, yeah, I don't know. A lot of questions. Boldy looks like he doesn't fit. Dewar is trying way too hard. <laughs> Do him, you can tell, is just cool. Yeah. Like he's just cool. So anyway. All right. Uh, I will quickly change the topic because I have four questions, as I always do, for you guys on Wednesday. And the first one, actually, let's get right to it. Because it marries an actual trade with reckless speculation that we, of course, love here on Judd's Hockey Show and Score North. Jesse, we'll start with you. But the question is this. Does the Canucks trade of Bo Horvat make you think that the Wild are more or less likely to make a deal before the March 3rd trade deadline? And I asked the question based on this. The return was a current top six winger, um, a prospect center who was a second round pick, but going in, but about a year plus ago was considered a potential first round pick. And then a protected first round pick in what is a very good draft. So like the prices are starting to be set more or less likely in your mind now that the Wild will make a deal? 
Um, probably slightly less. We knew that Bo Horvat was going to be an expensive, expensive piece. The Islanders also capable to extend him, which is very likely after this season. So they get a big piece there. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Vancouver got a haul for a player that they made very clear that they were not looking to to keep around. So, I mean, seeing that and seeing kind of where the Minnesota Wild have middled out here, and I say middled out as in the fact that they're just literally right kind of there. They're not doing poorly that you need to be sellers and they're not doing so great where, you know, one or two pieces need to be tweaked. So I can see Bill Guerin kind of sitting back and watching it play out as the deadline passes. Now, obviously there are plenty of players whose names continue to be floated around for the Minnesota wild Matt Dumba top of that list. So he'd be the only guy I could see on the move, but again, what are you really going to get of value for Dumba is to be seen. So I think, Seeing what Bo Horvat got and and yielded in return to Vancouver, it makes me think that Bill Guerin is more than likely to sit this year out. Yeah, it's um, probably less likely he's going to make a big as big of a splash that he did uh, last season. Um, you know, I, I know there's also more rumblings that I saw on Thirty Two Thoughts with Elliot Friedman that you know Brock Besser they're being connected, but the math with salary just doesn't really end up working out, unfortunately. So you'd have to get kind of creative with that trade. I don't think Bill Guerin's going to move heaven and earth to get him here necessarily. Um, could I see them adding like a, a depth person to make them a little deeper? For sure. Um, but I, I don't know if they're going to be big time. I'd be pretty surprised if Brock Besser got here or if any one of these other big rentals um, or guys that we aren't, haven't, haven't really even mentioned end up being here in Minnesota. I, I think it's probably a little less likely, but knowing Guerin, I, I wouldn't rule him out also shaking things up too. So I think the interesting part of the equation here of this trade with a, the um, Canucks was this, the protected first round pick. So this supposedly this first round is awesome. Like it's, it, this draft is packed. Okay. So I think that the, the reality is Garen very well might make a trade. He might trade Dumba. He might do something. So I'm not saying he's standing pat, but I really think the all in the deep end of the pool was last year. And he didn't make stupid trades, but he certainly made some trades. Um, I don't think we're going to see that again. The reality, like it or not, from from his standpoint, is this team is in salary cap hell. And it's not coming out. Do you really want to trade uh, prospects, potentially, or draft picks now? And also, if you're going to, I think it almost has to be a guy with term left. I mean, the, the... Horvat problem coming here would have been he's strictly a rental. So like you are basically going for it and then he's gone and now you've lost your draft pick and your prospect potentially and a top six guy or something like that. So yeah, I I don't think there's going to be a huge temptation and this team, which we've watched sort of go up and down at times and it's sort of a weird team. I don't think there's going to be a huge temptation to do the attempted bolstering that you did last March. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, you don't have any players out there like Mark andre Fleury with this big, flashy name that's going to come in. And, and like you had mentioned, Judd and Dex splash and surprise the Wild. I mean, that one still to this day kind of shocks me that they got it done and brought in such a name. But yeah, I mean, it's it might be quiet. It might look like a Nick Delorier or a Jacob Middle, you know, something like that where it might work and it truly might help as long as it's not like a Martin Hansel, Ryan White situation, you guys, uh, uh, which is... Fletcher, don't even bring it up. <laughs> Worst Ugh. trade in wild history. I'm fine with it. And I think, you know, like you guys had both mentioned, Bill Guerin's not a guy to stay pat really at all. So there might be little tweaks here and there. I want to bring back up before 
the Marco Rossi comment I made last year. I'm not saying, you guys, that <laughs> we need to get rid of him. I Hater. feel like a lot of folks were very like, Jesse wants to get rid of Marco Rossi. She hates him. She's writing him off. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, package him up. If you really think that you want to make a big move, which, again, I feel less likely Bill will do now, um, knowing what's out there. I just think that he would be a person that you don't necessarily, he's not an untouchable. You have one untouchable on this entire team, maybe two or three, but the rest of them, you could move as you please. And Marco Rossi to me is a guy in there. So to clarify, we like Marco Rossi. He'll be fine, but I don't hate getting rid of him. You know, guys, I'm just saying just conversation. Next. Yeah, I hey, well, number one, Jesse, when you threw out the reckless speculation, and uh, welcome, welcome to what Judd and I have been living through basically for the last few years. If we throw out any name, um, I, I have been villainized at, 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 with with the best of them as well. So when you throw out the name, just know um, some people don't understand the lifestyle. Basically, that is the reckless speculation lifestyle mm-hmm. on Judd's hockey show and on Score North. And there are certain times where where I think you definitely would consider a trade. Like, there are certain times. It, it just doesn't – I don't – not like this team, but I don't see the consistency there where I feel that they're set to pop. Like, I just don't see it. Like, Jess, we see games where they'll look great, and then the next game or the third period, they'll look terrible. And I just think that there's enough question marks, and I think that with where you stand cap-wise, that this is not the time to trade prospects. That time might come. And if they do it, they definitely should. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is more of a how far do you think that this team can go? And, I mean, I think if you get to the second round, you'd probably be thrilled. I just don't see them as making a run. Last year I saw a glimpse, a glimpse of, of hope, and that, of course, quickly disappeared. This year I like some of what I see, but I don't see a team that's going to make a serious run in the Western Conference. I mean, let's be honest, you'd be thrilled for the Wild to get to the second round in any capacity, no matter how good the team is, how bad the team is. But you're right, Judd. I mean, I think they are. They just remain this question mark. I do love the last two games that this team played before the break. You finally saw that gritty team, that grinding team. That is who this team is. We've said it on this show. I've been screaming it from my lungs all season long. This team needs to have the identity of a gritty grinding team. They need to get down low, get into those areas, start pushing bodies around, use their physicality. And I'm not necessarily referring to three fights within the span of a minute or anything like that against the, uh, the flyers, but you need to be able to be a grinding team, quit leaning on any skill that you think you might have and focus on the other aspects of the game that makes the wild, the wild. And I think the last two games, they finally adhere adhered to that identity. And a lot of the players said it post game, uh, before their final game, before the break, saying, you know, I think this is the team we are. It's like, well, no, no crap. You are. This is who you are. Let's just be who you should be. And I think they'll yield far more success than what we had seen kind of on those sluggish, you know, swoons here this season. Quick rant. That's what drives me crazy about this team, though. Like, they've known who they are. They It basically comes down to this. Do you want to work tonight? And, and I also... Well, actually, that gets into question two. I'll quit ranting and give you question two. So we we are uh, at the All-Star break now. Eight, what, eight days off because of the stupid bye week as well. So here's the question. What is one thing you think Everson has done well, and what is one criticism of his coaching in what would be considered, I guess, 
the first half of the season, although we are obviously well past what is officially the halfway mark. So a good thing and a criticism. Dex, let's start with you on Dean Evison. I'll go with the bad thing to start. Um, I, I still think he loves his grinder types and the guys that play Dean Evison hockey, and then sometimes, sometimes younger players and prospects kind of get shelved a little bit. We saw it happen with Kalen Addison. We obviously saw that happen with Marco Rossi. I also don't know how much of that is maybe Dean and Bill Guerin working hand-in-hand. Hand. I don't know if that's Dean putting his foot down because it's the coach's coach and Bill Guerin's worrying about being a general manager. But I think the criticism there for me is, is validated, that he just doesn't really trust the younger players in elevated roles. To a degree, I get that. Uh, but when you're scratching Kalen Addison, and if it's not necessarily discipline-related for someone like Alex Goligoski for, for, for it, I completely don't understand what the hell we're trying to do here. Uh, so criticism-wise... I would start with that for him. Um, I I don't like how he does. I like how he handles some of his younger players and some of the higher tier prospects in general. A pro for me. Um, I actually think he's done a pretty good job at managing this goaltending rotation that's now become a actual a good problem. Um, we all thought that when the season started to be Mark Andre Fleury's net for about sixty percent of of the games, and now all of a sudden Gustafson has played himself into the hand. And for the most part, Dean has done a pretty good job at going back and forth with the tandem. And sometimes he rewards Marc-Andre Fleury, and sometimes there have been times where he's rewarded Gustafson when their play has been warranted. So I applaud him for not just sticking with Fleury and not seeing that Gustafson maybe is a flash in the pan if he's deserving to play and he's deserving to start the net. And in turn, it keeps Marc-Andre Fleury fresh. I think that's been a, a, a pretty strong positive for me from Dean Evison. And can we just call it a rotation, Dean? Can we just, that's one bad. Can you just call it, or it is what it is, as of late, maybe well, a little geez, bit Jesse, less. I mean, I'm not sure that that's right, right? <laughs> it's just, come on, just, just go with it, man. Um, no, I would say my bad for Dean Evson a little bit. And we saw, as of late, this has changed slightly, but he still is very married to his lines. He gets very married to who he wants to play together with, even when it's not working. Um, and we saw that quite a bit this year of things that aren't working. Now, as of late, as I'd mentioned, he's tried to tweak things a little bit, and I think that's getting better. But I still think in his head he wants to force things to work that just aren't there, whether that's on the deep areas or on the forward line. So I would like to see him mix things up a little bit more and just try something new. Um, you know, he goes back to that first round against St. Louis where he was not willing to make the changes against the p- opponent that he's facing that night. And I still think you're seeing that a little bit um, with Dean Evson in general. So that's one bad thing. I do love, however, that he was willing to healthy scratch Matt Dumba and Ryan Hartman and take those steps forward. You saw him doing that with Zach Parisi back in the day as well. Names that you don't scratch, right? A healthy scratch or not. It's just kind of one of those things that if you're not playing well enough to win that night. You shouldn't play the next game. Like that's how it goes. And you just don't see that, not even just in the wild organization across the board. It's very rare that you will scratch a veteran player and usually. It's because you maybe don't have that trust, as Dex said, in some of those other guys that would be coming in. But I loved to see that. So I would like to see more of that for players that need to come out. You know, there's a couple other guys that I think have been underperforming as of late that uh, a night in the press box enjoying some popcorn with me and Judd would do them well, maybe. Who? Come on. A couple of guys. I want to hear who. Popcorn? How about that? But, but you know, that's actually t- tell just Aaron Sickman. We just invest in some popcorn in the in the wild and the wild press box right there. Is everyone listening? Jackson, Daniel, Aaron, you guys all listening to Judd's Hockey Show? I'm sure you obviously are, and you should be subscribed to Popcorn, which is the best popcorn on the planet. 
Uh, it's located locally here in Minnetonka off Highway 62 and Shady Oak Road. Or you can go online for all of our Minnesota Wild fans and Judd's Hockey Show listeners who live outside of the Twin Cities or outside of Minnesota. You can go to popcorn.com. Uh, you can get that great wild tin that I just showed you here and tons of flavors, over 70 different flavors of popcorn. When you check out, mention you heard the ad on Judd's Hockey Show. Go check out popcorn in Minnetonka locally or go to popcorn.com for more information. All right, Jesse, who? I think Greener needs to take a, a step back and just kind of find his game a little bit. He's a guy, you know, obviously they called it an illness. So he was kind of maybe technically scratched that evening that he um, reportedly missed a meeting and, and he didn't play that game. But I think he's definitely a player in my mind that would benefit from sitting a game or two. And I think there are still instances where Dumba maybe needs to take a seat again as well. Some of those mistakes are just egregious again you're hurting the team more than you're helping a big thing that dean had mentioned in defense of those scratching ryan hartman and matt dumba but i think greener is the other one that comes to mind that really has has just had some really off games that i think put mason shaw in there and you're just about just as about the same okay so the good the good for, for me jesse i agree completely with you because dean like loves his players and he loves his grinders and, I mean, I thought it was going to take an act of God, and it probably eventually did for D- Dumba to be scratched. And they lost both games, and they didn't play well. And, like, it was – he, in a weird way, was missed, but he was playing so poorly. And then Hartman completely deserved to be scratched. I think it's probably very difficult for Dean to do that. And so, yes, I think that that's a good thing. It shows a maturity in his coaching. But that being said, my bad thing also goes back to the fact that I don't think – and, like, there were so many things that I hoped he, that he could have learned from the playoffs. But, you know, one of those things was the fact that you have to put a boot in the player's asses at times. I'm not saying continually because they'll tune you out. But it feels like he still allows, and I respect this to a certain point, he allows the locker room and the players to run themselves. And, like, he always counts on, well, Ryan Reeves will say something now or Marcus will. And the reality is, at times, that's great. That's a great idea. But it feels like it goes too far at times. And I'll give you a perfect example of like what starts to piss me off about this whole thing. You said this, and you're exactly right. The last two games, I was impressed by. But if you remember, they had lost three three in a row, and Dean's like, we got to be desperate next game. He's like, I'm going to put my – and it's like, dude, yeah, this has to be your message. Like your team has to play to your point. They are not that talented. They have one great player, and I think Zuccarello's talented. But mm-hmm. for the most part, they are a workmanlike team. So when Sam Steele starts the behind-the-back crap, or when you've got guys, you know, you've got guys who are trying to get too cute, that has to be cut off right there. There's no room for, well, maybe he could have made that play. No, he can't make that play. <laughs> so, but that's when you get then the bounce back of, okay, now the players heard from the coach, and they're going to be engaged. And so that's my frustration is that I think the message from Dean needs to be continual, which is you're not that good. You need to keep working. And I'm not going to allow the players to police everything. There has to be a point in time where I step in quicker than, again, we've lost three in a row. And the lesson there is the playoff series. He let that get too far. Mm-hmm. I mean, Barubi playing chess, right? <laughs> He's replacing goal, his goaltender, puts in Bennington, changes his lines. And like we get to game six and Dean's like, I guess I should do something. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, and I like Dean. Austin can't wrong. tell, but he's whining about it. We'll yeah. just let him go. Exactly. So, I mean, that absolutely drives me nuts. It is because he tells us about it all the time, right? In post games, Judd, I know you're in there quite often. And we'll always ask, what was said between the second and third? Or what was said in between the first? Nothing. I let the guys handle it. I mean, verbatim almost every single game. And it is. It becomes very frustrating, especially, and this isn't necessarily a knock at the leaders, but they are quiet leaders. I mean, Marcus Foligno can be boisterous. Dumba can be boisterous. Spurgeon is a very quiet leader. I can't imagine Spurgeon going in there flipping tables when everybody played piss poor out there and when they deserve to get kind of their asses handed to them a little bit. I think in general, you need somebody like that. And Dean can be very intimidating. He can give you those piercing blue eyes. I know, and be use very intimidating. Yeah. You're like, right. Yeah. So I'd agree with that, Judd. I think that's a good, yeah. fair assessment. And my last Dean thing, for the love of God, lay off the official sometimes. <laughs> I, I think he costs himself. I think he caught every call. He gets that look, you know, it's like these officials, let's be very clear about one thing. <laughs> Referees in hockey are vindictive. So if you're going to MF them every time they make a call, they're going to make more calls against you. I think Dean is part, and, and I am all for, if it's a terrible call, speaking your piece, right? But yes, how often do we see every call? They show him on TV and he's like, it's like, no, Mm-hmm. Don't do, don't ride the officials. I really think that he hurts his team from game to game because his reputation is he bitches and moans and, and screams. Just lay off sometimes. Well, and sometimes that needs to be directed at said player who did make this mistake or who did commit sure. the penalty, right? I mean, you, you're right, John. I think it's funny. I was just watching the Paul Maurice breakdown video. He got fined a week or two ago, $25,000 for criticizing the officials because he blatantly said, that official doesn't like me because they have had run-ins in the past and there were some questionable calls and just different things. But certainly, yeah, officials are not going to forget something like that. They're not going to forget Dean cursing him out and just absolutely blowing a gasket on the bench. So it is probably something that he certainly needs to watch. There should be other things that uh, should be drawing his attention outside of just officiating. All right, on, on to question three, which is brought to you by my friends from Livia Weight Control Centers. Dex, I don't know if you can uh, flash the picture up there, but I want to show you the before and after in the life of Sports Dad. The guy on the left, a little chunky. The guy on the right, well, guess what? Down 40 pounds. And here's the best part about this. As I said, it's not a diet, it's weight control. So it's a lifestyle change. And guess what? It works. And guess what? It keeps going. So it's not just I've lost the weight and now I've gained it back. You can actually get help from the dietitians in keeping that weight off. And right now, if you contact them, the Judd offer, 50% off the program. 50% off the program right now. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. L-I-V-E-A.com is the way to get on, I guess, the Judd plan, 50% off. All right. Question number three is this. Give me the player you feel is the most pleasant surprise and the biggest disappointment through 48 games. Jesse, I think it's your turn to go first. Um, I mean, it, Philip Gustafson's the easy, pleasant surprise, right? We've discussed this before. Bill Guerin has outrightly said we had faith in him, just not this much confidence. But I'm also going to go with, I'm going to not go with Gus. Gus Bus is great. I'm going to go with Jacob Middleton. Um, I think Jacob Middleton has been not talked about enough. The way that he is so seamlessly paired with Jared Spurgeon brought some size doesn't make too many mistakes up there for that top pairing and for a guy that was last overall in the pick who never really saw opportunity with San Jose primarily um, I just want to give a shout out to him I think he has done 
a really good job being exactly what the Wild need, a very steady blue liner, again, a good physical presence, that comical relief in the locker room as well. Um, I just, I really think that people don't acknowledge what he's done for this team enough. Obviously, Bill Guerin recognizing that in the offseason by extending him. Uh, but Jacob Middleton is my pleasant surprise. Did you say a bad one too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's um, some choices here. Uh, there is. I'm going to go with Ryan Hartman. I just think, and, you know, he kind of explained it when we chatted with Hartman uh, after he was scratched and good for him again, holding himself accountable, still willing to meet with media on the day he was scratched. But he admitted he's been gripping his stick too tight. He doesn't really know how to find his game. He's in between trying to be the skilled player he was last year while also he's afraid to not, he doesn't want to draw any penalties he had mentioned, which imagine he's just kind of in this kind of weird mindset, which I think is definitely affecting his play. You see some good glimmering moments of him, but and not that I'm expecting Ryan Hartman to go out there and score 30 plus goals. That's not the player he is, but he's just not as poor as he's been playing either. Again, those penalties are just terrible and he's, letting the frustration. So unfortunately I think he's kind of my, my disappointment thus far only because I know he can be better. He can be a better forward for this team. I think he could do really good things with Boldy and Goudreau or with Greenway and Eck, whoever he's playing with that night. But I think so far, and again, tough injury to start the year, but I'm not going to give him too much that. I think he needs to step it up and, and be a bigger presence than he's been in a good way, not necessarily the bad way. Yeah, I think the biggest disappointment we can, unless Judd's going to probably trump us with someone else. I mean, Ryan Hartman has just completely fallen off the fallen off the earth. You know, Judd and I did kind of talk about like there's probably going to be some regression here, but I don't think any of us thought thought it would be this severe and this much of a drop off where he is rightfully so being a healthy scratch um, halfway through the season. Uh, I think for me, biggest surprise, I, I would actually go with Kalen Addison because even though he at times has been scratched for his own reasons that I did not uh, like that I discussed earlier in the pod. Um, he has stepped in. He's great on the power play. He's filling those voids. I mean, I know they haven't trusted him defensively to be completely in the top four and be potentially Matt Boyle's um, replacement because of his defensive lapses here and there. But I think he has stepped in and he's played a game that they have exceeded their expectations. We weren't really even sure if he was going to make the roster. We, we were hoping he was going to make the roster when training camp started. Uh, but he has actually stepped in and when he has played, He's quarterbacking that power play. He's a very good offensive-driven first defenseman uh, where this league is kind of trending more and more towards. I would give biggest surprise uh, to Kalen Addison, too. Yeah, he, he's been good. Um, all right, for me, the biggest surprise is going to be a big name, but for the most part, I think he's been just great. Flower. Mark andre Fleury's, what, 38 now? The mm-hmm. first couple games was damn near unplayable. I mean, Dean lifted him. Dean doesn't lift bad goaltenders when they're not playing well. He lifted them and Flower was getting, got booed off the ice. Talked about it, credit to him. But I mean, he was, those first couple of games, you're like, oh my God, what's going on here? Um, and he has come back. And as far as I'm concerned, in an era now where, where we certainly see more goals, right? Like this is not the trapping time. Like, like within his career, this game has changed now. And it's more fun to watch now, but I'm sure if it's a goaltender, it's also tougher than when Flower came into the league. All of that being said, statistics aside, I think he's been great. I think he's been a stabilizing influence in goal. Um, some of the saves he, he makes at his age just speak to the remarkable condition he must keep himself in. Like, I didn't know what to expect exactly, and I didn't expect him to be a disaster, but I guess I didn't also expect this much. You, you know, I mean, that Buffalo game again, Jess, he made how many saves mm-hmm. that were just, like, he looks fantastic. and. They took a chance there. I, I mean, that trade definitely took a chance. 
The playoffs were, I think, flat out a disappointment. But I'm going to give him a ton of credit. I think on and off the ice, having a guy like that who can still play up to up to the point that he can is just absolutely huge. So I've been pleasantly surprised by Flower. How much do you think that is because Gus is getting more starts than maybe? I think that was my big hesitation in going into the year with Flurry as kind of the number one as I was like, he's 38. He's going to start how many games? Like, there's no way. I mean, I have to imagine that's playing a factor, right? You guys like that. Philip Gustafson has stepped in, taken probably more games than even Mark Andre Fleury expected, certainly more than I expected. But I imagine that's had to help as far as keeping him playing sharp. I mean, he's playing like vintage Mark Andre Fleury and you love to see it. Absolutely. Especially when I flash back to like, go, go to games and you watch and see, and see saves. And, and you're like, if Dubnik was in goal, how many of these pucks hmm. go in? They go off someone's ass. They go off someone's get right. Like, like just weird. The the Dubnik patented weird goal now for the most part is avoided, and we take it for granted now because it's like, well, of course he stopped that puck. It's like not all the time. So anyway, uh, yes, the, the goaltending tandem has been for the most part fantastic. But I just think a guy who you're always like, okay, is he going off the cliff? If anything. You know, I think Flower has exceeded what the expectation was. Uh, my biggest disappointment is not is not hard. Matt Dumba. Uh, I mean, the regression year after year. Uh, he does. He is not on the power play. I think he was at one point. I looked this up yesterday. You guys, he doesn't have a power play point. Um, this was a guy who was the poster child for hey, big shot power play guy. Um. He is now not on that. He gets saved not every time because he still turns over the puck in some awful situations. But, you know, having Brodeen as your partner is so huge because Brodeen is so steady and so good. If you put Dumbo with a normal defenseman, I think it would be more glaring and more unplayable. And so, I mean, this is a guy who I think we all defended for a long time. I just can't now. And sadly, as his contract's about to expire, and and as there's a chance that by the deadline he might be traded, as Jesse said, what's the value even? Mm-hmm. There's no value. So I am incredibly disappointed at where things have gone. I think he is gone, but that being said, he's a guy that should contribute and gives you – I mean, I think he's well-liked, and I think he's probably good in the room, but on the ice, gives you as little as possible. That's too bad. Honorable mention, he's got to be mentioned, and we all love this guy. Honorable mention, Marcus Foligno's decline in goal mm-hmm. scoring has been mm-hmm. dry. I, I, I mean, Declan warned us last year of regression. Okay, that's cool. You were exactly right. But this is this is not regression. This is I think he's at four goals right now. Yeah, he's been brutal. I mean, you, you knew that a guy who is not a known goal scorer who's like, Converting thirty percent of shots into goals is not a sustainable uh, a figure for him. But yeah, he hasn't he hasn't looked like the same player at all. And, and everyone kind of knew who Moose was before this offensive outburst that took place last year. And you can kind of live with some of the you know lack of offensive production. But once you start scoring goals and you start changing some narratives, well, then that becomes the new norm, right? Then your perception changes too. And yeah, he I I thought about it too, Judd. I mean, he he's definitely up there. I think he's been trend. He is definitely trends more in a disappointment than a surprise in a in a good way. I mean, I would say that entire line, frankly, has regressed far more than we wanted. They were d- deemed the identity line last year, and 
they're just not what they were. And granted, they've been injuries, so they haven't been together too much and yada, yada. But Greenway hasn't. Jewel Erickson has finally really started to heat up, and you love to see that. But, I mean, the three of them in general just have not been producing like you needed them to do. And, again, not necessarily just in the goals, but even shutting down the opposition. That's the line that's supposed to stop the other team's top line, and it hasn't been as effective as it was last year. And he, he didn't get a ton of attention, but in the last game against Buffalo, Hartman went to that line, the mm-hmm. grief line, and and Marcus went to the Goudreau Boldy line. And as you talked about, you know, for Dean to shake things up, it's something's wrong. And so, like, it, it didn't get talked about a lot, but if they come back with, with those two guys on their new wings, that's a pretty drastic Dean move, Jesse. That's not just a small trying to juggle things because, yes, Dean with the lines is stubborn to a fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was talked about a lot in my mentions when I tweeted it out for all my hashtag line heathens because it was. It's very surprising. I mean, that's a line that doesn't get broken up. I mean, again, Dean loves each of his lines to keep them consistent, but that was one that when they're to get, when they can be together, when they're all healthy, they are together. And it just seems weird because it just, you, it doesn't fit. You don't know what fits there. If it's not Greenway Eccolino. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at that juncture, you need to try anything else. And that's why it gets so frustrating when Dean refuses to try things. So I, sh- I can't grief him for that pun intended because you know, they weren't playing incredibly well at that point either. All right. Fourth and final question. What is your expectation of this team after 48 games now? Playoffs? No playoffs. Winning a round. Take your pick. What do you think after almost 50 games in, Dex, we'll start with you. What is your expectation now of this team as as the regular season winds down? Uh, they're a playoff team. I think that's their ceiling is that they're a playoff team. Um, They they played great in the holiday stretch um, from Thanksgiving through New Year's Eve where they they played really good hockey, but I've seen them be too inconsistent. And I just think the lack of five-on-five scoring, can they win some playoff games and force a six or maybe even seven-game series in the first round? I could see that. But I would be pretty surprised to see them, unless they really turn on here over the the next, uh, what was it, 31 games or so, um, where they really change the perception to really be bought in that they can win a playoff series or dominate an opponent in the first round. I think playoffs and, and everything else for, for kind of a lame answer is just gravy at that point. I, I think that they're a playoff team, and that's probably where they're going to sit. I don't even like gravy decks, so whatever. But I think, yeah. They're... Wow, that's a hot take. I hate it. Hate really? It. Gravy cake, I'm probably just going to get shunned from this for the oh rest of my life. Oh, my God. Yeah. Gravy on mashed potatoes? Because no. I'm, I'm not a big fan, but I don't hate it. Nah, not at all. all just, right. mm-hmm. uh, but no, I would say they are a playoff team. And the reason that they are a playoff team is because St. Louis can't get out of whatever they're in right now. You've got Arizona. You've got Chicago. Uh, Colorado's starting to find their footing, finally getting some guys back from injury that has decimated their lineup all season long. But really you look at what Dallas is able to do and what Winnipeg is able to do to get out of that first round is not very likely. If they do it, awesome. I'm going to keep that bar low then. I want them to surprise me, surpass it, whatever. But they're going to be a playoff team, and it's going to be a bubble situation. It's going to be like we what we have seen in years past, where it's going to come down to three or four games at the end of the year, and we're point-watching and game-watching night after night. I mean, I think you saw how easily they bounced out of the quote-unquote playoff scenario already this year i think that's just going to continue uh, up until uh april here i'm very concerned i'm not going to lie 
they are at best a wild card team. Colorado's coming. Colorado's going to pass them. Um, once that happens, the team that concerns me is Calgary. So it, I think I think the Oilers make it. Um, Vegas is also weird. I think they're I get they they have without Mark Stone been terrible, but I think the Wild. I think best case now. My prediction right now is they are a last wild card team in first round out. Um, but Jesse, you bring up a really intriguing talking point, which is we are fifty games into the season, and they're not, and they're still not convinced that they are not talented, which they're really not. So, like, that's the problem is you go through these cycles where, you, you know, losing three consecutive games, I don't care if you get the point or not, you're losing games, you're losing points. And so that's what concerns me. Like, how this team does not play to its identity every game now really baffles me because it's like it's not hard to see. You've got one star player, ride him, that's fine. But everyone else has to work their ass off. And, like, they just go into these lulls where they don't. So, but I think right now, I think they are a last wild card team. But I'm not going to lie, Calgary concerns me a bit. And once Mark Stone comes back, now the Golden Knights get back in a little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't see this team. I see them getting in. I also see them going out probably, like, in five games, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, That's all right, Dan. gave them one, you know. Yeah, and I, but but I mean, I'm, but I, but you're, you're right. Like this could come down to a last week, Jess, and then who knows at that point in time, like that's going to be hot goaltender. That's going to to be, are you playing up to your potential? That's going to be, are you not trying to grab the sticks too too tight? There's clearly teams that are now basically going into the game with the game plan of we're going to shut down Kaprizov, and the rest of you score if you can. So like, there's a lot of things here where. This would this would be if you had a Fiala playoff wise, I would have a lot more confidence. Now, once you get there, he gets shut down. So, mm-hmm. Jesse, thanks much. We will talk to you uh, next week. Enjoy the bye. It's stupid. I hate it, but I know that that your <laughs> husband's gone, so you're taking care of the kids. That's outstanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we will have hockey again to talk about. Declan, you provide the rest. Yeah, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. This is Judd's Hockey Show. Uh, Go subscribe to Purple Daily as well, Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. As Judd said, we will be back next week.